CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Executive Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, I just got back from a quick trip to Los Angeles to attend Young and the Restless's 50th anniversary party. So it was such a great night. I mean, a really incredible mix of current cast members and beloved veterans. I mean, Tom Halleck, who played Brad, was there, the only one in attendance to lay claim to being on day one of the show. There were a bunch of bold and beautiful actors who were there who had crossed over to YNR. Scott Reeves, who played Ryan, flew in from Nashville, leaving wife Melissa, who Days fans know is Jennifer, behind to keep an eye on their four grandsons. I saw so many of our podcast guests, and it was awesome to see them in person. And maybe the most touching moment of the night was Laura Lee Bell, who plays Christine, and Bold and Beautiful's executive producer and head writer Bradley Bell made a very touching speech referencing their parents, Bill and Lee Bell, who created the soap 50 years ago. I mean, all in all, it was a beautiful celebration of the show, of the genre, and frankly, nice to see how lavish it was. I mean, there was a 360 degree photo booth and those kinds of parties are few and far between these days. I also want to give a special shout out to the show's publicist, Matt Kane, who was just amazing throughout this whole anniversary process. Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you that I was particularly delighted when you texted me a photo that you took with Melissa Claire Egan, who plays Chelsea from the party. I'd actually been texting with her earlier that day because I know that she is a huge Vanderpump Rules fan. And for any Bravo devotees who may be listening, it suddenly came back to me that day that when Soap Opera Digest had a splashy 40th anniversary party in LA back in 2016, the couple who's cheating scandal has exploded in recent weeks. Tom and Ariana were actually in attendance. And then I have a picture from that night where I was flanked by them. I found it on my phone and I immediately sent it to Missy. She was like, no way, they were there? Like, I remember that party, but I don't remember seeing them. Anyway, it really filled me with endless delight to see all of the pictures from the YNR bash, how spectacular it was to see so many stars past and present in attendance, just looking so glamorous. And, and on the on-screen side of things, I had so many feels watching YNR this week, particularly with the return of Mamie, the gorgeous Veronica Red. I just loved seeing her with Jack and with Billy. And the returns of Leanna and Nina and Gina, which we've discussed, are going to continue into next week with the big Genoa City Bicentennial Gala. And next week also marks the official kickoff to General Hospital's own anniversary celebration. The show is turning 60 on April 1st, and on March 29th, we will see a special episode paying tribute to the late Sonia Eddy, who played Epiphany, as the town says goodbye to the beloved head nurse. 
Yvette Nicole Brown, who was a friend of Sonia's in real life, will be guest starring on the show, playing a special visitor. And in the issue, we have a preview offered up by the show's executive producer, Frank Valentini. He noted that obviously Sonia's passing and the goodbye to Epiphany is a very somber occasion. And that when the show moves into more of a festive gear the following week with the Nurses Ball, Epiphany's presence will also be felt there. And that the Nurses Ball will almost feel like a part two of the tribute to her. I mean, I don't want to sound crass in saying that I'm looking forward to seeing the tribute to Epiphany play out because, of course, there's a much deeper level to it with Sonia's real life passing. But GH has always done some beautiful memorial episodes, and I feel this one is going to pack a very big emotional punch. Um, now, as for GH, you know, and its anniversary, I mean, I started watching in the year 16, 1979, and it's crazy to me that 44 years have passed since my first episodes. You know, this is the show that absolutely made me a soap fan. I was in on so many stories from Luke and Laura. I mean, clearly my all-time number one, but to Heather Weber's shenanigans, to the evolution of the Quartermain family, and then skipping ahead to the 90s and falling in love with it all over again, thanks to the Sunny Brenda pairing. I mean, I have so many happy soap memories tied into this show, and it's just such an unbelievably incredible milestone for them. I love that there are two shows marking such big occasions around the same time, not to mention Bold and Beautiful's 36th anniversary and Days getting a two-year pickup from Peacock. I mean, it is much more fun to talk about the good stuff on soaps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's safe to say that for GH fans, there's a lot of good stuff in the new issue where we are toasting this milestone birthday with some fun features and an exclusive interview with the one and only Jane Elliott, who will be marking her return to the show as Tracy later in April. I had such a beautiful conversation with Jane, who I'm such an admirer of, and I really made it a point to convey to her how happy fans are that she is coming back, but she was very, very touched by so between the Epiphany tribute, the Nurses Ball, the imminent returns of Tracy and of Emma Sams as Holly, and several surprises that the show is keeping under wraps, it's really going to be a special time on GH in the coming weeks. Well, speaking of special, we have a special issue devoted to the show's 60th anniversary, which will hit stands on April 7th. So definitely keep a lookout for that. And in keeping with the GH theme today, our guest is one of its newest members. It's Evan Hofer, who plays Dex. So let's get him on the line and get to know more about him. Hi, Evan. Hi, guys. How you doing? Wonderful. Happy to be here. We are so happy to have you here. If I could say that the most mail we are getting these days um, is about Jocelyn and Dex, if it's not about Trina and Spencer. So like, this is a very huge story, and I'm sure a lot of excited people to hear what you have to say today. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy, so excited to be here. I remember the first time I spoke to Mara, I asked if I could be on the podcast at some point. <laughs> So and this is very. We exciting. made him wait. We made him wait and write letters. You played it very out. cool. Yeah, you played it very cool. Well, played hard to get. It worked. I've been begging. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, dreams do come true. That's right. <laughs> I am on the Soap Opera Digest podcast. <laughs> Anthony Mara. Hello. We are going to learn everything about you today, because again, I, I don't really know a lot. We haven't spoken yet, so. Let's see, you were raised in Leavenworth, Kansas, along with your right. older sister, Lexi. So tell That's us right. a little about young Evan and his upbringing in Leavenworth. Oh, young Evan. I was I was super shy, actually. I was a very, it's hard for a lot of people to believe now, but I was super shy, like hidden behind my mom's leg all the time. Um, but I played sports. Basketball was my main sport. I was going to be, I know you've heard this over and over again. I was going to be 6'5 and be in the NBA. 
here we are. It's fine. But, <laughs> but I just grew up playing, playing basketball and all my friends in LA joke about it, but it's true that I, I had my awesome dog butterscotch. I got him when I was 10 years old for my birthday. And I used to just run around the fields in Kansas with a cape on with my dog. It sounds like a joke, but it's not. That was my childhood was that and playing basketball and baseball and football. So it was, it was really wonderful to just have space to just run around. So your own like artistic ambitions seems really to be a case of kind of following in your sister's footsteps. So tell us how she got started as a performer. Yeah, my, my sister was always a, uh, it's funny, she got started in the church choir. She was always a very talented singer, just very naturally talented. And, um, and through that then started getting into musical theater because she always danced and was in dance class and, and all that. Um, almost said all that jazz, which is funny, <laughs> but she was in, in all the classes and everything. And then she got into musical theater and she got in this like youth program up in Kansas city. And my mom asked me, she's like, would you have any interest? And I was like, if I get to spend time with Lexi, then yeah, I'm there. Um, and so, you know, that little brother always trying to, always trying to hang around. And, um, through that, I just started to like it and started, you know, just a different side of me kind of got me out of my shell a bit and it grew from there. So yeah, my sister really did get me into it. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you remember about your family making the decision to move to Los Angeles and how you felt about it at the time? I, I remember we were trying to decide between um, between New York and L.A. Uh, because we went and we met with agents in both places and we were kind of deciding they wanted um, my sister to do acting stuff. They wanted me to do modeling stuff as a kid. And they were like, yeah, you can come out here. We'll get your auditions and stuff. And we um, ended up deciding on L.A. because it seemed like more of a place we could have a have a home and a family kind of atmosphere um, going again from Kansas and not knowing anything about either. Um, so we picked LA and then we, uh, I came out here, got a, got a manager who was really wonderful. She set me up with my agents that I still have today. And, um, and here we are. Do you think you would have gone into acting if it hadn't been for Lexi kind of opening that door? Like, do you think you would have found it on your own? It's funny. My, my, my podcast, I listen to every day, the Bill Simmons podcast, he calls these sliding doors moments and he talks about them for basketball. So my sliding doors moment, that's interesting. Um, I don't think so. Cause I wouldn't have been exposed to it at all. I think I would have just kept playing sports up to whatever level I could. And then I would have just gone to college and figured something out from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I honestly, I actually thought about this probably a little bit before I started on general hospital that I thought about what would I do if not this, and I couldn't come up with anything. So <laughs> really glad. So you're that in the right place. Yeah, it, well, it shows that you're in the right place. And it also yeah. shows that I'm like, glad, glad it worked out. Cause I did not have a backup plan. <laughs> I, I can relate to having the only job you're qualified to do. That's I remember with your major and everything. That's yeah. so yeah. specific. Yes. Um, now, do you remember experiencing any culture shock moving from Kansas to Los Angeles? You know, what was that like for you then? You know, I had a, I had, think I had a lot of trouble making friends at first because I am naturally shy. And uh, so my, my first manager told my mom, she's like, you got to get him into sports. What did he do back home? Get him into that. This can't be his whole life. He still has to be a kid and have other stuff because I was... 14, 15 when we moved out here. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was in online school, so I would be available for acting. And then my mom put me in soccer, which I had barely played, but it was, you know, it was round and it was, uh, and I didn't want to play football anymore. And it was the season. And so I, uh, I went there, made some friends there. And then my mom took me and got me a skateboard because all the kids in our building, there were like three kids my age who would all skateboard around the neighborhood. And so she's like, yeah, let's get you a skateboard and a helmet and call it a day. And then I went and made uh, my best friends who are still my best friend to this day. 
about that. And tell us who now lives in the building that you first lived in when you moved to Los Angeles. It's awesome. Um, Mr. Maurice Bernard himself invited me over to do his State of Mind podcast. And I pulled up and I went, there's no way. (laughs) And I like, I knew I didn't use it, but I'm like, I know the code to the building. It's cool. We're good. (laughs) Right. Could you imagine if you just coded yourself in and we're like, oh, hi, I'm here. He's like, how'd you? And I'm like, don't worry. I have my ways. That's right. You used to skateboard off the front steps. Don't worry. Acting in general and going out on auditions, there's a lot of rejection and a lot of no's. You know, how long did it take for you to get a yes when you were first in California pursuing this professionally? When we were still living in Kansas, I had this audition for a Nickelodeon show and I got a call back out of nowhere. And I was so massively inexperienced, obviously. It was the first, one of my first auditions ever. And my manager at the time said, to my mom, like I'd never been on a plane by myself. I was probably 12 or 13 said, fly him out here. He can stay with me. And she picked me up at the airport, was waiting right there for me. I stayed with her for two and a half weeks while I did all these like chemistry and screen tests, everything um, did not end up getting the job, but like, it was just really great to have that experience. And then we, from there, we were like, I guess we should move out here if this is how it's going to work, which that's not how it works. <laughs> um, and then I ended up, I think I did a pilot for Nickelodeon. I remember my first casting director, he was so wonderful to me. His name was Kevin Scott. And um, he gave me my first job on this Nickelodeon pilot that didn't end up getting picked up. And it was probably, that was probably six or so months in. And again, still, that's still a really good timeline, like super lucky, super unrealistic. And um, and I think my first job that actually made it on air was uh, kicking it for, for Disney XD. I played a skater boy. Shout out to my mom for buying that skateboard. <laughs> um, and that was probably a year or so in. And that was an incredible experience. I'm still friends with some of the people I worked with today. It's really awesome. Well, yes, you played Randy on that series. So tell Randy, us. Randy Plotsky. They gave me a <laughs> Best name ever. They gave me a last name in one episode, Randy. They're like Plotsky. And I was like, yeah, it's funny. One of my, one of my best friends, um, Joel McCrary, um, was a writer and an actor on that show. He played Bobby Wasabi, the like head of the whole karate studio. And he... Um, we're still best friends. We've worked on three shows together at this point. And he, from the writer's room, used to tell me these awesome stories about, they were like, yeah, we need someone to come like do this joke or whatever. And they were like, how do we just bring Evan in to do it? And it like, wouldn't necessarily work out character wise or whatever. They're like, Evan will hit the joke. It's fine. And they just bring me back. And so randomly they're like, Plotsky, that's a good, and I'm like, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Happy to be here. <laughs> well, what do you remember about being on set? I mean, this was like your first kind of big break. Like, were you nervous? Were you into it? Did you get like, you know, acclimated right away? Um, I was super nervous, but the whole cast was, you know, it's cool when it's kids your age. And they, they did something that I've tried to carry over and carry with me to every job since then is that they welcomed me and were warm to me right away and made me feel like part of the group. Cause it's very easy to, for people to like lose sight of that and be like, forget how it is to be the new guy. And you know, you get locked into your little people you're around all the time. So someone new comes in and it's, you know, you might not click with some people to let them be warm and welcoming and inclusive, but they were incredibly inclusive. And I tried to carry that over anytime I've been in a position to, I'm, I'm a serial includer is my thing in, in life in general. So I tried to carry that into work because, you know, you know what it's like to be the new guy. Special skill on your resume, serial Inclusion. Serial Inclusion. Please help me. <laughs> so at that time, looking back, do you think that you viewed this more like a hobby for you? Or was it something that you really felt passionately about and thought of making a primary career of? Mara, you should be my therapist. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a terrific question. I, I think I... 
that's so hard because I think I was doing so many things and I think I was still so young that I didn't really have a grasp on it. I knew I enjoyed it. I knew I loved working and loved being on set and all of that. I will say, I don't know that I fell in love with acting yet at that point, the actual process, because I don't think I really understood it. I understood because I started in sitcom and comedy. So I just was like, I knew how to hit a joke, but I don't think I understood the rest of it. Um, so my comedic timing developed really well, but, <laughs> but I think I was still so doing so many things and my parents were so good at keeping me in other things and keeping me well-rounded to where my singular focus wasn't that. So to circle back to the rejection and the nose thing, I think because I had other stuff going on, it really helped me cope with it, but it's really hard. And I think eventually I, I ended up, I did go to college uh, for two years and then kept getting um, jobs that pulled me out until I finally left school. And after that, I was my, I did this movie run the race. And that was my first taste of like, I felt like very like dramatic could as an adult could be, this could be a career. I kind of understood acting. I was around such terrific actors. Like we've talked about before Francis Fisher. And I was like, wow, this could be it. And after that, I didn't go back to school and I was just full time all in. And I think that's when the rejection started to get to me. Cause I didn't have, I was so singularly focused. Mm -hmm. which is right. great. And it's a great place to be into where you can be. And that's, you know, that's definitely a privilege to be able to be singularly focused like that, but it's also incredibly stressful. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. So, right. Well, you were at Loyola Marymount, you were a history major. So a, what had you choose that? And did anyone recognize you from kicking it? <laughs> no one recognized me from kicking it because I have looked so different at so many points of my life. Like there's no way. Um, one, at one point, Someone did recognize me. I had one line on Modern Family. I was big guy. So at some point when I, you know, do a, you know, eight picture Marvel deal, I want the article <laughs> to read. Um, you guys remember big guy? Here he is. Um, but I was big guy. And someone did recognize me. They're like, hey, I was just watching Modern Family through. Are you, were you on that? And I was like, yeah, yeah. They, they let me say like three words. It was sick. <laughs> it was nice to me there too. That's as you can tell, my, my common thread is that I just like it when people are nice. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Uh, but but I, did you enjoy the college experience? Like, you know, yeah, was it I something? I went to school 25 minutes away from my mom. So that was good. Uh, any further and it would have been bad. So I lived on campus, which was great. Made awesome friends that are still like my friend, Greg, who's upstairs right now. One of my best friends to this day. And so I wouldn't trade it for that at all. My best friend, Rick, these, these connections. Um, and I became a history major because I would say that I think people gravitate to whatever they had great teachers for. And I had an awesome history teacher in high school, um, Professor Cole, he was awesome. And then in college, I took a history class while I was still a theater major just to get the credit. Um, and with uh, Dr. Ochoa at Loyola Marymount, and she was so incredible. And I would go to her office hours all the time. And we would just talk for hours about Latin American history, which was her specialty. And then it became like my specialty because I would take all of her classes just so I could learn from her because I she was such a wonderful teacher. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I know that it was the, uh, you know, being cast uh, in Run the Race and that it would require you to be out of school longer than uh, the school was into you being gone for the <laughs> decision to leave school. But how did that go over with your family? And did, was that something you wrestled with or was it like, I'm, I'm out of here? I, I didn't wrestle with it for one second. So this, <laughs> I'll backtrack for one. So I did a, I worked with Disney and Nickelodeon for a long time, like here and there on guest star, guest spots recurring in whatever capacity. And then for while I was in college, freshman and sophomore year, I was in their building every day in Burbank for 
months just for some you know whether it be for a new show to like testing for that or or uh, one of their movies something so over the summer between freshman and sophomore year i actually booked a pilot for disney and i went back sophomore year and i gotta tell you i was like my show's getting picked up i'm out of here <laughs> and it's not a great mind i still got good grades don't worry but i i remember one day i finally got the call that the show did not get picked up and i went "Ooh, i really gotta learn economics um, <laughs> like ooh, all of a sudden i really gotta learn econ um but so when one race with so when run the race came around i was really um already prepared for that. I didn't think the call was coming through, but it was great. They called me and said, Hey, we need you in Alabama in three days. And I said, yeah, done. And I called my mom and I was like, okay, uh, what, what, what do we do? And she said, well, go, go talk to, you know, the, you know, administration office and see what they say. And I was like, I gotta leave for six weeks. Can I take my homework? And they were like, like, can I pad? They were like, no. And luckily <laughs> early enough in the semester, I was able to just withdraw um and so yeah i i left i left school in three days i um under the guise of i needed to prepare and you know get ready for my role i was like i can't pack up my dorm i'm sorry ma and so my parents went and packed up my dorm like my old roommate reuben let them in and, and everything i was like yeah i just i don't have the time i gotta study i gotta you know me i was like sick didn't have to do that <laughs> Your long-suffering mother. That's who we really need on the podcast. Evan. She's the best unpaid <laughs> assistant. Oh my gosh. She, the amount of hours I was telling her yesterday, she's in Kansas right now visiting family and she, she's been less than available to run my lines as much as I would like. And normally she's at my disposal. And I finally had to tell her, I was like, look, this is unreasonable. I know I'm not paying you, but what are we getting? We got to do something. I don't know what to do here. I said, there's no one else who's time i am comfortable abusing as much as yours. <laughs> the amount that i like to prepare and the amount i like to run stuff you know my friends will read it with me a couple of times and then i'll start feeling bad and they'll be like you good i'll be like great i'm not i need to do it a thousand more times <laughs> that's what mom's for exactly but now she's oh she's busy <laughs> visiting family i know so run the race which you mentioned was released in 2019 but shot prior to that but it was also your first big dramatic role so you start in that project opposite tanner stein who plays Daisy's joey and actually christopher palaha who is married to julianne morris who used to play Daisy's greta so tell us about just filming that and do you keep in touch with any of your former co-stars oh yeah i actually i um uh, francis tweeted me the other day and that was fun that gets me gets me jazzed whenever i see her name pop up but um, yeah, I keep in touch with people. I talk to Chris Dowling, the director, the most. But man, Chris Palaha—that's so funny that you know him—is was the nicest dude, and from from day one, really established this uh, father-son relationship with Tanner and I. And like, came in, he was like, "I'm taking you guys to dinner," and really got into like life advice, relationships, everything. Like, really got into dad mode in a way that helped us establish our relationship because he was experienced and you know i was not so to have him come in and know how to establish that was really incredible mm -hmm. so uh tanner sign is not the only person you know on the days of our lives cast you also are friends with carson boatman who plays johnny so how did you meet him i met carson through tanner actually because they're both from iowa um and carson actually when i started on general hospital when i got the job i was extremely nervous because um, I had never done anything like this. It's unlike any other job. And so I, Carson was like, Hey man, yeah, just call me. And he talked to me for like half an hour and walked me through all the things that were different. 
and um, and just all these little details that were really, really helpful. So I, I can never thank him enough for that. He was just so gracious with his time to help me with all of that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Okay. And well, on rival shows, you know. Yeah, and still willing to help says a lot. Um, but he was not your only daytime connection. You also knew someone in the GH universe, Lexi Ainsworth, with whom you've done right. a short film. So tell us about that project. Oh, gosh. I did that short film with Lexi when I was, I had just turned 18. Yeah, I had just turned 18. Um, it was this old friend of mine, um, these old friends of mine, the um, Alex's. Um, and they, they were really awesome dudes. And they were like, we're directing this thing. We'd love for you to play this role. Um, can you come rehearse with us on this day? And I was like, sure. And that's when I met Lexi and we went through everything and it was a, a really wonderful experience. And she was wonderful. As you know, she's tremendously talented. And, um, and yeah, when, when there's a, a clip from that, that gets circulated in the GH circles every now and then. And it's just, it's really funny. Cause I remember seeing it the first time and going, I was like, Oh, who is that? And not recognizing that it's me at 18. Because, you know, I, I swear my face changes every year. So I, I looked at it and I was like, who is that? Oh, oh, those GH fans, they can track anything down. Yes, they can. Seriously, if I ever need anything, I just got to pop on Twitter and be like, yep. hey, where, where was I on this day? And they're like, right here. Very helpful. <laughs> Great resource. For sure. So let's fast forward to 2020. Uh, You know, you're a couple of years into uh, your singular focus in on acting as a career, and then the pandemic hits and Hollywood shuts down. So what was that like for you, given, you know, the juncture that you were at personally and professionally? It was it was really hard. You know, I think obviously the pandemic was hard on everybody in various different ways and to various different levels. But in 2020, I had just Man, yeah, because 2019, I had done this, uh, my second movie with Chris Dowling, the director of Run the Race. Um, and that actually comes out in May, I, I believe. Mm. Uh, and um, it's called Roll With It. But I was shooting, I shot that in Nashville, and I had shot seasons three and four of the show Dwight and Shining Armor that I was working on in Georgia. And so I was gone for most of 2019 working. And then all of a sudden, 2020 hits and March hits. And we had been talking about going to do the last season of Dwight and Shining Armor. And pandemic hits, everything shut down. We're at home for months um, and kind of everything slowed down. And there were auditions, but, you know, everything's self-tape and it's slow because no one actually knows if they can go film anything. So they're like, yeah, audition. We don't know if you can go, but we don't know if we're going to film it, but we're going to audition. Um, and so that was really, it was really stressful. And I think um, it became, and how do I say this? It became kind of an Art of another level of artificial stress. And my my best friend Will told me when I when the pandemic hit, he goes, gave me the best advice that I started spreading, which was don't overhaul your life right now. There's an artificial inflation on stress on everyone. So everyone is feeling this. It's not gonna last forever, even though it's lasted way longer than we thought it would, but it's not gonna last forever. Don't do, don't make any rash decisions right now. And that was the best advice, and I lived by it through the entirety of the pandemic. Um, and so a lot of people, you know, found new stuff and new activities. I did not. I was, <laughs> I was at home on my Bowflex working out and waiting for auditions and then just auditioning and doing my best. But I definitely lost my mind a little bit and thankfully got back into therapy, started doing all the good stuff to take care of myself. And I will say the pandemic was good because it made me develop great habits of taking care of myself that I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. That is good. I mean, for sure. Um, so then tell us how GH came your way, when it came your way, and were you auditioning from home still or were you able to go to the studio? So 
when I auditioned for GH, I had actually auditioned for a couple of parts. I went through my emails recently, a couple of different parts um, in the previous months. And, you know, so many auditions come through and everything, for, fortunately, very fortunate to get those opportunities. But you kind of don't realize what stuff you're auditioning for sometimes. So I didn't even realize that I had auditioned in the last like four months before I booked Dex the other GH parts that I have no idea what they were because they, you know, hide the names and everything. I actually did know my name was going to be Dex and it turned out to be my real name. So that was fine. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got the audition and um, I just did a self tape for it. So everyone on set has all these fun stories. They're like, yeah, then I, I came in and it was in Mark's office. And then I went in and I met with Frank and some of the other producers. And I'm just over here. I'm like, I sent in a tape and Mark called my <laughs> man showed up. to come in. So Kanika called me and told me to come to work. So I came to work. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so everything works out the way it's supposed to, I believe. And I believe I got the exact role I was supposed to, and I couldn't be any more grateful for it because to walk in on the first day and have Maurice be so welcoming to me and take me under his wing. I'm actually, yeah, I, I can never thank that guy enough or express my gratitude enough. I cry about it most of the time. Just like, I can't like talk to him about it at all without crying and he knows and it's fine, luckily. But, <laughs> but just to be able to work with him and then have it tie in and get to work with Chad and then have it tie in and get to work with Eden and just these incredible relationships I've been able to build with them and just feel so, so lucky and so grateful every day. All right. So your original fake audition mm -hmm. uh, was with the character of Spinelli. So a That's big right. 180 to find out that no surprise, you're working actually with Sonny. Um, so then you find out, okay, they want you to come in and you said that you were really nervous. You know, what, what about the prospect of coming in your first day as Dex had you in your feelings? Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Well, one, I, you, you know, after finishing the last season of Dwight during the pandemic, I hadn't worked for a little over a year and had just been auditioning and auditioning. And when you're self-taping, it just feels like you're sending everything out into the ether and you just ever so rarely hear back. You know, even if they loved it, nobody's going to email you and be like, great job, very rarely. And when they do, it's wonderful and very appreciated, but it's it's very rare. Um, so I was just trying to not mess up, which is the worst thing you can go into as an, as an actor. That's the worst mind space you can go into a job with. And again, I, I hadn't done anything with multicam in a number of years, and this is a very different type of multicam. Um, and I was also worried about style and I didn't know where I fit in. And it's hard when 
you know, the role I auditioned for and then my first scenes in the boxing gym with Sonny and with Chet, I don't, you know, that doesn't, I was like, this doesn't really fit what I thought I was supposed to do. So I don't really know. And so I was just kind of winging it. And luckily Mo, after our first rehearsal says to me, he goes, you're a good actor. And I was like, thanks. And it, it sounds so silly, but like, you don't get complimented that much. So like, especially on stuff that matters to you that you work so hard on. So that took a big weight off my shoulders. I was like, oh, then I just keep doing my thing then. And that's what Mo has empowered me to do every day since it to just be me. That's amazing. Now, did you know anything about soaps? Had anyone in your family watched a soap? Had you ever oh, seen a soap? So my grandma and my great, great aunt Mary used to watch days every day together on the phone. They would be on the phone talking about it while it happened. They called it their stories. And I, I will say I tried for, for years, I auditioned for all of, all of them, but my, my aunt, before she passed away, she called me the day before she passed and told me goodbye. It was beautiful. Like she was fully had her mind and everything. Just called me. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I was like, wow. And she said, get on my stories for me. And I was like, I'm, I'm crying. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do what I'll do what I, I'm going to do it for you. And then I end up on, on GH and I'm like, and my mom goes, ah, she would have converted. <laughs> she would have. Definitely. That's right. All right. So you go in on your first day, you have some tips from Carson, but how did you prepare to get in there? I, well, I, first and foremost, I was like, know my lines every which way. Cause the worst thing you can do is the new guy is forget your lines. So I was like, let's just get any of that out of there. Um, and I think I just tried to figure out how to incorporate what they had said they wanted for the character and the breakdown and then what those new scenes were and incorporating. Okay. I was like, this can kind of be a different side of this guy. How kind of eager do I come in while still trying to maintain that kind of, the kind of badass edge, kind of maintain that, that badass edge with it. Um, and I don't know that I had much badass in me on, on the first, those first scenes, I'll be honest, <laughs> but I think as it developed, I was able to incorporate that and find those spaces. And I mean, the, the writers really are so terrific and made me, I've learned so much about acting in the last, my, my one year anniversary is March 28th. Um, and I've learned so much in the last year about like realizing, cause it, it was my scenes with Jocelyn that made me realize oh, how am I this, you know, all I've been is this tough, badass mob spy guy, ex-military. How is he with a, with a girl, with a love interest? How is he? And realizing, oh, this is what they mean by a layered character of showing different sides. He's still the same guy, but he can be soft and he can be vulnerable, but only with her. And that shows how special that relationship is. From day one, Maurice Bernard has been a, a mentor to you. But give us an example of the kinds of notes that he will give you after a scene yeah um he'll his notes are the best um he'll he'll watch my scene specifically because he knows that i value his opinion so highly that he'll he come to me in the hallway before we go up and he'll be like hey those scenes were really good but i feel like you could find a moment for this and weave in a little more of this and he'll just like even he'll even pull me aside like during a rehearsal and we've gotten like, we have such good shorthand now, but he'll be like, Hey, I think this is that moment for this thing we've been talking about. And I'll be like, yes, perfect. And has just really been giving me permission and giving me like new ways to work in layers, like to, uh, like for, for example, right. I think we've talked about Dex is really conflicted about Sonny right now. So finding kind of like moments of privacy within scenes to where I can find those moments to show that to the audience, but without showing it to him. It's like a moment where, you know, he's looking away or he's talking to somebody else and I can kind of have this moment to myself, even though he's there. 
And it's just bringing my attention to stuff like that. He's just the greatest resource and the greatest mentor I could ever ask for, really. <laughs> I loved hearing that. Um, now, Dex was originally slated to be a short-term character, but that changed pretty quickly. So how did you find out that GH wanted to sign you to a contract and how did you react? It was, this is an awesome story. I was getting ready for my, um, my first scenes with Stephen A. Smith, who is oh, just the best dude. He's such an incredible man and such a great example. And he's such a great fan of the show too. Like he'll, it's so cool to see someone who's like, he's big time. He's, he's, yeah. and I, as a sports fan, like I'm, I watch his stuff. I love seeing it. But now that I know him as a person, I love it even more, but he'll come up to me and he'll be like, man, those scenes with you and Jocelyn the other day. And I'm like, he watches the show actively. <laughs> like, it's so cool. Um, but I'm getting ready for my my first scenes with him. And we're, I think we had just done our rehearsal. We're about to roll. And Frank goes, Evan. And he pulls me aside and he goes, just tells me, hey, I, uh, I, uh, you know, you've, you've shown us some great layers and some great stuff that, are, you know, we, we could never imagine. Like, um, how do you, how do you feel about sticking around a little more permanently? And I, was speechless and went, uh, yeah, it sounds, sounds good. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, and, and then he goes, cool. I'm gonna call your agent. And I was like, Oh, oh okay. Great. Thank. And he's like, he's already gone. He's on to the next thing. And I'm like, thank, thank you, sir. <laughs> and, and then I have to, I have to go act. And I'm just like, I have to, one second. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting the sense that this was not something you had to strongly weigh the pros and cons of that you were just all in? You know, I, I think I thought about it for about 0.5 seconds and called, as soon as we were done, called my mom. Um, it's always funny. I always say the most important women in my life are my mom and my manager. Um, <laughs> my manager is so wonderful to me and takes such good care of me. Um, and so I, I'm like, hey, uh, this happened. I got to call Konica. And she's like, okay. And I call her and she goes, oh, I already know. I'm like, what do you, why am I always the last one to find? She's always, she knows everything. It's great. Um, and it was, but I had to think for about half a second. And I said, you know, she's like, well, do you love your time there? Are you having fun? And I go, I'm having the best time of my life. And she goes, perfect. Then yeah, I'll make it happen. And I go, great. And it's true. I, I like, I hate days off. If I could sleep there, I would. I, I would spend every day there if I could. I am so grateful and just love being there and love everyone there so much. I never hear me complain about going to work. That's awesome. Well, picking up for a second on Stephen A. Smith, like, do you have friends who are sports fans as well that you're able to say, like, I'm working with Stephen A. Um, Smith, who plays I, Brick, by the way, to anyone listening? Do I flex that Stephen A. Smith and I are buds now? Yes, obviously. <laughs> I, my bas I play in a rec basketball league and my whole basketball team, they're like, how was your day today? I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and I'll just, oh, this happened today. And it's a picture of me and him together. And, and they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we were just... Pfft you know, work, work stuff, you know, just <laughs> we're going to, we're going to hang. He's going to, he said he'd take me to a game. It's going to be awesome. He, he asked me, he's like, if you ever want to go to a game, I was like, every one of them. Yes. With you. Yes. All of them. But I don't care what all of them. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. All right. So you were thrown into story with the character of Sonny, with the character of Michael um, and right into the conflict between them. So tell us about working with Mr. Chad Duell, perhaps GH's most notorious behind the scenes goofball. That feels like an understatement somehow. I know he's the most notorious, but it still feels like an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> but he is in fact a goofball. Um, and, and I walked in on my first day with Chad, um, knowing nothing, right? And, and 
he just looks at me where he does, he's about to say his line in rehearsal and he looks up at me and he goes why'd they get someone who looks just like me I was like, I don't know about just like, but we have a mask on. Okay, sure. But but he's like, are we brothers? And I go, I you know so much more than I do, sir. Um, and then from from that day on, we just like I discovered how much of a goofball he is and how much fun we have together. And I just I love it when we have scenes together because whenever we do have scenes together, we get to spend the entire day together, and it's just an awesome fun day all the time. I actually, um, they just aired our scenes with where Michael finds out about Jocelyn and Dex. And um, that was so much fun because Chad and Eden are so close. And then Chad and I are so close and Eden and I are so close that the three of us got to hang out. And it was just chaos in the dressing rooms until we went up to film. So it was awesome. (laughs) Well, Evan, I, I think in all my years of interviewing actors who are frequently asked to take their shirt off on camera, I've never spoken to someone who embraces it as enthusiastically as you do. So I will simply ask, what gives? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, I had to put a shirt on for this interview. Let's be clear. <laughs> I knew we were going to be on Zoom. I, I am sure I was just. You didn't have to, Evan. You chose to. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I felt it was more professional if I did. Okay. Uh, I'm shirtless all the time and kind of have been my entire life. That's just my natural state. And then I started working out at some point and I went, man, this is going to be so cool at some point when I finally get to be shirtless for a job. And that's kind of, you know, I want to be one of those heartthrob guys. That'll be cool. And then when I, I would say I was so nervous for every first that I did on General Hospital because I knew I was like, oh, if I do a bad job, they're not going to let me do it again. So I try to do as obviously on everything, do my best. But I was like, put so much pressure on myself. So the first time I was shirtless, I was like, if they don't like it, they're not going to let me be shirtless anymore. And then I was like, oh, I must have must have done a good job. Great. <laughs> Another special skill does yeah, shirtless right. like, very well. Thank you. I try my, I try my best. And it's, it's, you know, if I'm going to get that Bowflex sponsorship, I need to stay that way. Indeed. (laughs) Hope you're listening, Bowflex. Um, Well, Dex spent several grueling episodes in a freezer being tortured, which you've said was actually really fun for you. So what made it fun? Um, I find that when I'm doing physical stuff of some sort, it gets me out of my head and I stop worrying so much about stuff that doesn't matter as an actor. Like, like, oh, did my voice sound stupid in that line? Like, it's stuff like that I don't worry about because I'm just so into it and focused on the thing at play. And so that's what was so much fun. And I love action movies. I would love to do action movies. But in, in Mission Impossible 3, there's a very specific scene where Tom Cruise is hooked up to a pole and he's shirtless. And it's like so badass. And I was like, this is my Mission Impossible 3 scene. This is it. And hope it's Mission Impossible 3. Otherwise, someone's going to call me out. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but um and then i remember they were like no we do need you to put a shirt on because it feels like a lot with you hanging up and everything already and i was like damn it you took my tom cruise moment but (laughs) it was okay it was still so much fun and getting to do that stuff getting to do those action scenes like we just did more action scenes uh where we're getting shot at in the warehouse um some of us shot at some of us shot um I'm just a bullet magnet, aren't I? <laughs> okay, so as the story goes, before you had your first uh, big set of scenes with Ms. Eden McCoy, who plays Jocelyn, your boss, GH executive producer Frank Valentini, told you that it was a chemistry test. So did you know what that meant? And how did you, you know, how did your brain handle that in the moment? Uh- so I've only ever done chemistry tests like in an audition type of setting, right? To where they're trying to figure out before they hire me if we have chemistry. I'd never done one on the day. Like these are scenes we're using. These are going to be on TV. <laughs> um, and so it, I love it because 
he really does always know. Frank always knows. And like, he, he, we had one of these moments too. He came up to me, I think my like second week and he said, grow your hair out. And then he walked away and I was like, okay, yes, sir. And I did. And I I'll be honest. I love my hair now. This is my favorite my hair's ever looked. And I was like, man, he's always right. Okay. Never <laughs> doubt Frank's little quick tidbits. Um, but so yeah, right before my first scene with Eden, he goes, this is a chemistry test. Show me something. And then he leaves. And I go, I'm like, I, I'm beating up a paparazzi and the, the, I don't really know how this applies chemistry wise. So I was just trying to, I think I was just like, I guess I'll just make a lot of eye contact. I don't know. <laughs> and so I'm like begging her for my life. I was like, I don't know how to have romantic chemistry while I'm begging for my life, but people liked it. I, and the seeds worked. And I just remember being like, my focus should still be on what the scene is supposed to be. Don't try to force anything that's not there. And luckily I, I think the chemistry was there. Maurice gave it his stamp of approval from day one. So that's all I can ask for. <laughs> um, now what's your take on why Dex felt a pull to Jocelyn that he couldn't resist, even though he'd been given orders basically to stay away from her. If you tell your kids not to do something, all of a sudden they want to do it more, right? <laughs> but I think the, I think the biggest draw to her is obviously she's beautiful, right? Obviously she's incredibly beautiful. And, but then I think the real draw, cause I don't think that can be enough is that she has this, like this strength and this, she's so sure of herself and she's so solid in who she is that that's so attractive and that she's such a strong person that it kind of makes him feel like he can actually let go around her because he has to be so strong the rest of the time around everyone else that I can actually relate to this in, in my life that like having a partner that you feel like you can turn off your brain around and let them take care of you, I think is really important, um, especially when you're in such high stress, high pressure situations as Dex constantly is. Um, so I think that's what it was, this strength she had. And also, hey, she has it, right? None of us know what it is, but we know when we see it and we know when we feel it and you go, yeah, that's, that's it. So Dex and Jex are both building a pretty loyal fan base. So what do you think that the audience is responding to and, and what gives the pairing its rooting value? As you know, I try to steer clear of most of it because it, it does affect how I view stuff. And I try to not let that impact how I read, read scripts and story and stuff and how I want to, you know, progress, whatever, and you know, whatever. But, but um, I think that they really like how open and honest Dex is with Joss and how he's not afraid to show his feelings. And I, you know, I'll be honest, I think a little bit of Evan creeps in there every now and then where like, that's how I am in relationships. I'm, I don't try to play it cool. I don't try to, you know, play hard to get. I'm like, here, Hey, here's how I feel. I think you're awesome. Do with that what you will. I'm going to make my intentions clear. And I think he's such a good communicator and he's so open about that and he doesn't play any games. I think that's very attractive. So as far as the Jocelyn stuff goes, I think that I hope that they hold men to that standard because that's the standard I think everyone should live to. So that's why I, I like to, you know, the writers give me such great opportunities to play it that way and to have Dex be that way. Mm -hmm. Well, in your career as an actor, you've never had a sustained love interest before, so you don't have a lot to compare it to, but how would you rate Eden as a leading lady on a scale of one to 10? Uh, 1,000. A million, as high as it'll as high as it'll go. She's incredible. I again from from the first day she was the first. I'll say from the first day we we make jokes about our actual first first day together all the time. But our first day that it kind of seemed like that's what was going to happen, and they started kind of putting us together. Um, we say that the defining moment was the dumpster scenes, uh, where that was the first night her and I actually had time to hang out and spend together. 
and become friends and get to know each other. And she's just, you know, such a pro and has been doing this so long that she was able to, again, I'll take advice for anywhere I can get it. I never think I'm too good for, for anybody's anything. So for her to be so warm and welcoming and kind of guide me was super helpful. She's incredible. I couldn't, I couldn't be any more grateful to be paired with her. Well, uh, because he is in Jocelyn's orbit, he has developed kind of an antagonistic dynamic with uh, the character of Spencer, played by Nicholas Chavez, which is namely that Spencer just does not like Dex one bit. But tell us about working with Nick. Oh, dude, Nick's awesome. He's 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 great. We, we have such a great time. As you guys know, he's an incredible actor. So to be able to be opposite him and have these power dynamics in that way is really cool because you know, I, I'm opposite Maurice, who I'm kind of in agreement with most of the time, right? So to have someone, to have an adversary in that way, we'll see how sustained is is really cool. And and it's uh, I always look forward to our scenes together because they're always uh, so incredibly well written and so fun. And then it's great. Like I like it when I, I don't have to fight my battles because Jocelyn does it for me. Um, <laughs> but I, I also I love the days where like in Sunny's apartment. I've just been shot and we're kind of going at it a little bit. And I just remember I had to think, I was like, I just got shot. I got bigger fish to fry. I can't focus on this guy's giving me shit right now. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Um, Now, a lot of Dex's backstory is still a mystery to the audience at this point, at least. Um, Now, do you know anything more about his origin story than we know? And if so, or if not, have you made anything up in your head about where he comes from? (laughs) Um... I don't know anything. I let me. I I get the script six days ahead of time, and I the moment I get them, I'm reading them, and like I've got them all. I wonder if I can at least angle this camera for just for you guys. I've all my scripts set out. Um, I always have my. That's what my dining room table is for. Is just scripts all over. Um, I don't. I don't know much more about Dex's background at this point. I do fill in the blanks for myself, and I just go because you kind of have to. That was another thing Maurice taught me was that you. He's like, if you don't know, you got to, you got to make something up. And then later, if it changes, so be it. And you roll with it and you make it work, but you just got to come up with something so that you have something in there and you're thinking about something. You're not just, you know, you're being super vague. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, despite himself, as, as you and I have, and have talked about over the course of the last almost year, Dex is growing ever fonder of Sonny and his delicious pasta. So what can you tease for us about how that may affect Dex moving forward? I think it's incredibly hard um, because I think he sees the flaws in Sonny, but he also sees this soft side and this caring side and how he takes care of his people and how, you know, hey, I don't know if Mo thought about this from day one when he started mentoring me, Evan, that he went, yeah, this is going to be the relationship of Dex and Sonny. So I'll just do this in real life so that it works on screen. I don't know. Doesn't matter. I love it. But Sonny's really taken Dex in and has become this really incredible father figure and mentor and shown such great care and trust. And even when there is mistrust and stuff showed that he still wants to build Dex up and wants to kind of mold him in his image in a way um and and make him into more because he sees this potential and to see all that and 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 for me like to i what i think about it makes me want to makes me want to cry is that to have someone believe in you that much and care about you that much and care about your future and feel that strongly about your future um it 
you know, to, to feel like you're wronging them in any way is just heartbreaking and just rips your heart out. And you're like, how could I do this to them when they feel this way about me? They look at how much they energy they put into me and how these great things they think of me. And I'm just going to screw them over like that. Like that's, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I think Dex is constantly being ripped in two. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. <laughs> well, that's good for you. Um, it's, it's great, but it's, oh God, it's just hard. Like I'll finish scenes. I'm like, God, that's so rough. <laughs> you wouldn't have a heart if you didn't. Um, now, as you mentioned, you're on the eve of your one year GH anniversary. So big question. But when you reflect on the last year, how would you say that landing the role of Dex has changed your life? Best year of my life. This has been the most incredible year of my life to date. And I could not be any more grateful. My life in every area is better because of it. And it's just brought me, cause I'm, I'm at my best when I'm working. I'm and the consistency with which I get to work on a show like general hospital is unlike any other. And the people make it so incredible. I love going to work every day. I love seeing everyone on the cast and everyone on the crew. All the, I love, I, now that I know I can go up to the fifth floor and go to the offices, I love going to the mail room and talking to everybody. I love going and seeing all the producers and just saying hi and talking to people. I keep everybody from doing their job. It's great. Like I, productivity slows when I'm on set. Um, <laughs> but but I, I just could not express enough gratitude for how wonderful it has been and how much it's improved my life. And just, just so grateful, just so incredibly grateful every day. And I feel like I've grown enormously as an actor and it's given me such enormous perspective and I can never be grateful enough. Well, before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to say directly to the general hospital fans who may be listening? <sighs> to the general hospital fans, thank you so much for being so incredibly engaged and caring so much about the show and about the characters and holding us to such a high standard because I think having the fans care so much bleeds into everything else and makes us care so much. And I, I, I'm a fan right there with you. I like, I'm a, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, what are they, I've got trying to do the ship names. Like I'm a Jex fan. I'm a Sprina fan. I'm an everybody fan. I'm a Vanna fan. <laughs> oh, that's just cause I have a crush on Finola. Don't let that in. I'm just kidding. Please put it out there. Um, and Jana. Um, <laughs> no, oh no, sorry, Dana. 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 Oh, Dana. that's a different party. Yeah. Um, but I, I I could not be any more grateful for all of the support and the love I've gotten. And our fans are seriously the best. And I man, to, to I've never had a fan base like this of anything I've done that cares so much and is so actively loving towards me. And again, just cares so much and notices little details. And it makes me want to work in even more details. It makes me want to be even better for them because they care so much. Because I always say, I'm like, I don't care what it is you care about, but like caring about stuff's cool and giving a crap about stuff is awesome. So like to, they care this much. That's, that's dope. I love it. Please. Like I'll take all of it. So thank you. I love you. Thank you. We thank you so much for all your time today and well, look forward so to our next podcast. Stephanie, so wonderful meeting you. Mara, so great to see you. Oh my gosh, you both are lovely. It was so wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Evan Hofer for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Podcast.